Hello, and welcome to Here's to Life with Tori Reed. This episode is presented by NetServe Systems and the Orange County Business Journal's standout entrepreneur, Abdi Ahmed. Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to host this series of conversations with icons and leading talents, minds, and trendsetters in entertainment, literature, the culture at large, and beyond. Journey with me as we explore, discover, and laugh through a wealth of wisdom and insight so that you may take inspired action with your life. Today, we're talking to our beloved Nikki Giovanni. Nikki Giovanni is arguably the greatest living American poet. I had the opportunity to visit with her at her office in Blacksburg, Virginia, on the campus of Virginia Tech, where she is a university distinguished professor. Well, someone that you appreciate going back to older videos, in 1972, you had an interview with Muhammad Ali. Mm. And you said, I must say, I really adore you after 20 minutes of talking about his fights. Why do you think Muhammad Ali is the most beloved champion of all time? And do uh, you still adore him? I Oh, yes, I definitely still adore mm -hmm. him. But you know what I want to see? And... I know that uh, because I know my I'm, I'm kin to my father who, who definitely went to hell, so I'm probably going to follow him into hell. But I would love to see Muhammad Ali and Serena. The world finally recognized what a great man he was. It took a while. But, you know, the world is stupid. Yeah. The world took the world a while to recognize Jesus was great. And I think that we are coming, as we're looking at Serena, we are coming in to recognize that she is, if not the greatest, certainly one of the greatest athletes of all time, clearly the greatest tennis player of all time. So I would just love to see the two of them sitting around, you know, and they're healthy, so they won't be having drinks because they don't drink, but they'll be having, uh, I guess, you know, probably spring water or something crazy. I would like to sit there and have a drink because I, I don't have to be in good shape <laughs> and, be, and sit there and talk to them and see how they look at each other because there's no way. And I like the little football player who took the knee um, oh, Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Yes. I, and I think that he, he did a good thing because he, too, took a, an Ali position of, I don't care, you can take my belt, you can take my career, I'm going to stand. If I can take a stand by taking a knee, I'm going to do that. And I think that these are the kind of things that you admire. And, of course, I, I have to say I'm a big fan of Venus because Venus cleared the way for both of them. Yes. I was so, and I say both of them, I mean not just Serena, because Serena is great, but I was so proud of little Coco and the way that she was saying, well, you know, I wouldn't have a tennis racket. I was so proud of that because I get sick of, I, I watch, uh, what's her name, which I don't like, Sloane Stevens, who acts like she invented the game and she's been losing. And every time I see her, I boo her. And I know that, uh, I do, you know, hell, I'm, I paid for my ticket. And that so-called Japanese girl, mm -hmm. they gave her last year, they, they took that away from Serena. They did. And I can't wait because I have a box that, that my mother and my attorney purchased 50 years ago in Cincinnati, and I can't wait to go because I, I definitely am, I, and I'm wearing red so that I can sit there and <laughs> boo her. Because she, she should have known that they gave her, and she should have been able, after the end of it, to say it was such an honor to play with Serena. I'm embarrassed to win it this way. I think that, you know, something that makes sense. Don't be sitting there, oh, I think I won it. Shit on white. Who the hell wears white after, after Labor Day? <laughs> 
You know, where's her mama? You know, nobody wears white. Next, next thing you know, she'll have on pearls. You know, what kind of crazy? You know, you're supposed to at least read a book and know that you're not supposed to do that. You know, and had on high heels. I was just so angry. I was looking at that. And, and you took it away from that girl, and you think you won something? Jesus is on the main line. As an American activist and educator, someone who has seen the culture change over nearly seven decades, do you believe the aims of the women's movement have been met? Or actually, let's, let's talk Kamala Harris. Let's compare her to Barbara Jordan. How, how would you compare those historic candidacies? Well, I think that women, like everybody, deserve their own bodies. So I, I don't have any, there's no question about that. But I read a, an article in our paper, we have Roanoke Times, which is not, you know, a great paper. And uh, one of the, the, the article was, I wish I had had an abortion. And if you see it, you know, if you're not careful, you think, oh, what is this? And you would think it's, it's a negative. But what, what the woman who wrote it had a baby, and she knew that the baby had problems, yes. m- more than problems. But she did not want to have an abortion. And so she carried the baby to full term and had the baby. But uh, there were a lot of things wrong with the baby, and the baby was in an incredible amount of pain. And the doctors did what they could, and the baby died within three months. Mm -hmm. And her point of writing the article, it was pro-abortion. Her point of writing it was, I should have not been selfish. I should have recognized that this child could not live and I should not have forced it to be born, to be in the pain that I saw it in, because I didn't want to admit that the child should not, he could not live. And I thought it was a hell of a fine article. It made me cry, because it, it had to be terrible to watch your child in that much pain, knowing that it's going to die. And it's going to die because you didn't want to admit this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm being selfish. I thought it was a good article. I like the women's movement. I'm a Delta Sigma Theta. Uh, and we Deltas, you know, began because we wanted to vote. And Sue Anthony and them were saying, well, you know, we're not going to march with the black women. And the black women said, well, we think you should. And, you know, it was a big fight because we were all AKA Alpha Kappa Alphas then. And, of course, we have uh, Senator Harris is an Alpha Kappa mm-hmm. Alpha. Yeah. And so you see all of the green and, and, and pink when, when she's around. <laughs> and I think that's wonderful. And we broke away. We who are Deltas broke away from AKAs. And we marched in the back. And so we have always been a part of the women's movement. So when people talk about that, we helped make the women's movement what it is. And if you look at Ida B. Wells and them, you know, they were hanging the banners out. You know, a, a, a man was lynched today. If we look at uh, what, what was going on, uh, Daisy Bates and them, it was Gene Nova, president of, of Delta's who said, you know, I'm going to Arkansas, I'm going to Little Rock. And Jean just wore that white suit all the time, and she got on it on the train and went out to Arkansas. And Lillian Bimbo, who's a great woman, and, and we all loved Lillian so much, when Barbara Jordan was running for, for uh, a seat, it, it Lil called everybody. Uh, you know, you, we dealt as answer. When the, when the president calls, we answer. Yes. And she said, we have to go to Texas because we have to help Sora Jordan. Yes. And we all did, and Sora Jordan won. And Sora Jordan was one of the main reasons that we got rid of Richard Nixon. So I'm, uh, the, the women's movement is a part of what we've always been because we, we, we are women. The new generation has taken a strong stand with the gun lobby, and we're proud of them for that. We thought you may have something to say about that as it relates to your own activism and your own experiences in the horrific tragedy here 
at Virginia Tech in 2007, and as you emerged as a national voice during the assassinations of Kennedy, Evers, Malcolm, and King. Well, the gun lobby shouldn't be doing what it's um, what it's doing. I have uh, I was friends with and and have remained having a great admiration for Huey. Uh, Newton for 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 Bobby Seale yeah. for the Black Panthers. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. And they got guns because people were bringing their guns to get us. America is going to have to decide what's important to us right now. I would say we're losing because uh, I come from a family, the Watsons, and the Watsons are from Georgia. And my grandmother was a big mouth, and <laughs> she was. And my grandfather and grandmother lived in Albany, Georgia. You always know the difference between Albany, Georgia, and Albany, New York. <laughs> you can get that Benny in there. And some white woman came by one day and saw grandmother's flowers, and they were beautiful, and said, you know, I'd like to buy your flowers. And grandmother said, I don't, uh, I don't sell flowers. And one thing led to another. Grandmother said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you flowers. You know, you get out of here. And, of course, uh, white men taking exception to that uh, came by and said to grandmother, you know, said to grandpapa, well, the only way we can solve this, because grandpapa was always a, a gentleman about things, you know, how can we solve this? And said, well, the only way we can solve this is uh, that I give, you know, your wife five uh, whips, five strikes. And grand, grandpapa loved grandmother and didn't want to, that wasn't going to happen. And so grandpapa said, no, um, that can't happen, <laughs> you know, just kind of as, as, as well as he could. And so the Watsons are all gun people. And so that, that evening, because we know how white people respond to things, we know that a bunch of white people, no one white man is going to come because they never come by ones. Right. They never come by twos, but they come by tens. And that's, a, <laughs> that's another point. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Watsons all came to Grandpapa's house, and uh, we all had, they all had their, their guns, and so we were all going to go down. But they also said, Grandpapa's brother said, you know, <laughs> you know, John Brown, he's John Brown Watson, so you know who John Brown is. Oh, yes. And uh, John Brown, uh, you and Louvenia might want to move because you could see where this is going. Louvenia's going to get somebody <laughs> killed or all of them killed. And so Grandpapa had accepted a job in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they moved. I, I'm saying this to say I come from gun people, so there is a belief in my family that if everybody's going to have a gun, we're going to have one too. And so if you're hearing a, a noise in the middle of the night, you, you're probably going to get shot. I know that Maya Angelou, whom we all loved, yes. uh, Maya kept a gun. And I would spend some nights with, with Maya. And one night, uh, she, wow. she made good chicken. And, no, she didn't, actually. Miss Clay did. And one night I was reading. I was uh, upstairs. Her house was three levels. It was three levels. And I was upstairs, and I was reading. Maya had gone to bed. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to have another piece of chicken and a Coke, you know? Mm -hmm. And I knew that she had a gun. So I was thinking, now, how do I go downstairs, open the refrigerator, <laughs> and not get shot? <laughs> and, and so you have to try to remember who has a gun. And I did. I was as quiet as I could be. And I was ready to say, it's me, Maya, it's me. But uh, you never, you know, you don't, you recognize where people, well, Maya's a Mississippian. So she always had a gun. You're a fool if you think that she came from Mississippi and got to where she did. You know, and I could think of a couple of other people, which I will not name, who I would never, ever walk up on because I know they have a gun, and that's what they're going to do. And I don't believe if, if they're going to go down, they're going to go down. Somebody's going to go down before they do. And so if America can make a decision that this is not a good idea, because it's not, then we're going to have to get those guns turned in. You don't need a, 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 a weapon. You know, first of all, hunting is not a hunt because the animals 
don't stand a chance. Well, I enjoy hunting. Well, what's fun about you having a gun and a deer trying to run away from you? When did that get to be fun? Sneaking up on them. But more, what gets to be fun when you're so afraid? Now we're back to cowardness. When we have let people make you a coward, that your son, and you know this happened, forgot his homework and came back home to pick it up, and you didn't realize it was your son, so when the door opened, you shot, as you know, and killed your son. I don't know how that father, I don't know how he still lives with it. I know that you can't, Mr. Roof walks into a church and kills, what, seven people. Four young women were killed by bombs. I know America's going to have to make a decision. And either we make a decision to be peace, to, to find a, a way for peace, or we make a decision that the worm is coming. Because one thing for sure, you can't shoot the worm, it's too small. <laughs> you laugh, but that's the truth. You're right, you're right. <laughs> that's the truth. Being an activist, do you see young people today as more informed, vocal, and active compared to your generation? I think it's different. And thank you for asking that question. I think that my generation should not judge this generation. I think they have a different job. They have a different situation to deal with. Uh, They have different, in all fairness to this generation, pain. We had segregation. This generation has non-segregation, for lack of a better word. Between segregation and non-segregation, there's still something called racism. And this generation has to deal with how they want to deal with racism and where they want to go from there. They have difficulties. And I know that some of them say, well, you know, I don't want, uh, if, if I go, if I'm black and I go to a white school, look at the way they're going to treat me. Well, not exactly as bad as they treated me. So your job is to go and do your job. You're not there to be friends with white people that don't want to be friends with you. You're there to be friends with white people who do, and you're there to be friends with black people who do, because all black people aren't wonderful. There's a lot of black people you you dislike. We we don't like to admit, but a lot of them are fools. And you look at them, you can say, oh, I don't want to be bothered with that fool. Mm -hmm. And so you go on about your your life. And I don't know where they're going to go, but I know they don't need my generation to tell them where to go. What they need is to find that which is within themselves. I think that they will because we, again, I'm, I'm, I have to be a believer that they are climbing Jacob's ladder, that they are doing and looking at something else. Now, we worry, of course, about the suicide rate, and we worry to some degree about the fear that this generation has of not doing a good job or of not doing the right thing. But enough of this generation is also looking at itself to say, wait a minute, I I can do better. And as we were talking to the kids last night, you know, and, and I believe that, you may not be able to, this is not something I know, you may not be able to change the world, but you have to be sure that the world doesn't change you. That That's your first job. Mm-hmm. Godmother, what is your hope for the future? Oh, it, it's, it, it's an interesting life. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I'm I'm through most of my future, so that's not one of the things I have to... Well, for Kai. Well, I think that, again, uh, Kai's smart, and I Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've just never been fond of dumb people, so I'm... (laughs) Well, you know, you try to, you know, get along with them, but, you know, dumb people get on your nerves. So it's Mm -hmm. nice that she's, she's an intelligent kid. I like her. She's got an open heart, and I wish Kai and her generation 
the very best. I'm not going to be here to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm already so far through mine, you know. And I, I know that uh, when I pass, and, and uh, I, I will, you know, I will not allow, and I wrote that too. I wrote my attorney and said, whatever you do, don't let my, my family have anything to say because I think it's nothing dumber than you did. And, you know, your granddaughter stand up there and, oh, I really love you. Well, if you didn't say it while I was alive, I don't want to hear it now. <laughs> so I, I, I think that, that, that the younger generation, uh, I like Thomas, I like my son, and I think that uh, the smartest thing he did, I tease him about that, the smartest thing he did was have a daughter, and the, the second smartest thing he did was divorce the woman he was not... <laughs> well, they didn't, I mean, it wasn't going to work, and so... We got what we should get out of it. We got a daughter because yeah. we are a family of men. And so it's so nice to have a granddaughter in there. And I, for lack of a better word, and I'm saying this poorly, but I, I wish them well. But I, I, don't, I don't know where to go because I said to you earlier, you know, if we don't do better, it doesn't matter what we wish. It just won't be here. It's, it's going to go. And we'll be gone, but if we would be able spiritually to look back and say what it is, we're going to see the mistakes that, that continue to be made. And one of the biggest mistakes that my generation has made is Donald Trump and not to admit that the devil, you know, you, you just love the fact that Jesus was in the, in the uh, desert 40 days and 40 nights. Remember, he didn't have any yes. food and he had any drink. Yeah. And, and the devil came, remember, mm -hmm. Satan. Yes. Satan came and said, you know, I can, I can take care of you. I can give you water and give the, and, and, you know, everybody wants to say, well, Jesus loved everybody, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. And, and I can think of a lot of other people, but we know he didn't love Satan. Mm -hmm. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. My generation, we need to say that. Mm -hmm. They needed to say it to Hitler. They needed to say it to Mussolini. They needed to say it before that, but definitely we needed to say, get thee behind me, Satan. And so uh, we haven't. And if my generation doesn't stand up for that which is right, well, we, we don't know where it's going to go. We're, we're, we're handing the next generation a bad thing. Dare I ask, do you have any regrets or would you do things differently? I'm sure I do have regrets and I'm sure there are things I would do that I would wish could be differently done. Mm -hmm. But as uh, I, I always, this is one of those an answers that... I would never share. Oh, okay. It's private. Okay. It was really important to our group to make sure that we continue to exalt and celebrate our leaders, the ones who have paved the way. We, Victory Noble, give roses to our own. And that's why we and I am here with you. The podcast was something important to you, so it's important to us. It is important and necessary to put your voice into the vibrational frequencies of our new generations. So I say thank you for your ongoing commitment to excellence, the beautiful struggle, and being Nikki. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about storytelling because we just don't have enough storytelling. And I, I, I'm not against the churches, but, you know, these churches, uh, I, I, I don't have any concept of churches that have 2,000 people in it and stuff like that. I, I, the church I grew up in, you know, had 50 people. You knew everybody. They yeah. knew you. Yeah. They knew your business. You knew yeah. their. You prayed it, for them. They prayed for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's a community that, that, that was a bench. Yeah. That, that, you know, you could lean on uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church, you know, or St. Paul's Church or something like that. And so I think that the kids 
and and again, I, I hope I'm not meddling with the kids, but I think that they uh, could use a little storytelling. I think that they spend too much time on Facebook, which is not storytelling, but a lie. And uh, the lies that come through, and then the lies that go back, you know. I'm really happy. I'm having more fun. Well, they're not. If they were, they wouldn't be on 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 on. on whatever that thing is, uh, Twitter, Tweet, or whatever, to you. Instagram, all of it. Yeah, yes. and and so it's, uh, they need some stories. And uh, I hope I get a chance to, to do, you know, just a few of the, of the podcasts to, to talk about these stories that we hear when we grow up and what they might mean. Then they can hear stories now because everything isn't just murder or being naked on a beach, because that seems yes. to be this all is on television. That's it. That is it. <laughs> and uh, it's not a good idea, you know. No, yeah. no. So I thank you for, for, for helping me, and uh, I really appreciate uh, really pre- Well, I feel like uh, Jimmy must have felt about coming to, to, to me, you know. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay. I, he, as he said, I, I couldn't get to L.A., but uh, I really appreciate you you coming. Oh, and, my pleasure. And, this and is helping. an honor. Yeah. This is an honor. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Conversations with Tori Reid. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. This is one in a series with Nikki Giovanni. Check back with the Los Angeles Review of Books regularly, where my podcast will continue to inspire, intrigue, and educate. And remember, live your brightest life today.